Daniel here. In this episode of the Puro Puri podcast, we're going to finish our first volume, I guess you could call it, somewhat portentously and pretentiously. Um, we're going to finish the first volume um, of the podcast. This is going to be the third episode, uh, which is going to round out us talking about our uh, first Puro matches that we ever saw. Uh, so we've already done George and David, my co-hosts, um, and they were in uh, parts one and two. And as I say, this is the final part um, of what we can kind of call the first volume. Um, so just before we begin, uh, just to remind you that we are on Twitter, to now you can get us at Puro Podcast and you can find us on Facebook at Puro Puri. Uh, so yeah, hope you enjoy the show and join us for the next volume. Toshiaki Kawada um, versus Kensuke Sasaki, um, and it's from the uh, New Japan Do Judge Show. Um, <laughs> what does that mean? Ten... No idea. It's, no, it's, got, it's, it's got two exclamation marks after it as well, not three. Yeah. Two. No. So, so, uh, I mean, is it uh, is it imploring us to judge their product? Um, I don't know what what it is, uh, but yeah, yeah um, uh, this match, God, this has quite a long story behind us. I'll try and cut it short. Uh, maybe get the uh, maybe get the last of the summer wine uh, theme tune, um, like sort of headed um, up again. I I, <laughs> I bought this um, as I said before from um, the Extreme Central Wrestling Shop in Manchester. Um, a tape that was labelled um, Japan TV. It must have been shown on TV. Not long after it actually happened um, uh, this match, but this was a huge match between Kawada, um, who was, um, I think I'm right in saying at that time, uh, still pretty much considered one of the um, the top guys in in all Japan. Um, yeah, this was I think, I think post. Um, I think oh, this might yes. be post the uh, split when most of the ah, yes. went to form Noah. Kawada was uh, the by far the most prominent guy who stayed because he was the guy that stayed, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so. I'd never seen Toshiaki Kawada um, uh, before. I'd never seen Kensuke uh, Sasaki before. I'd never seen Japanese wrestling before. The closest I'd ever come to it was, as I said, Tajiri and ECW, uh, the Michinoku match in, in ECW as well, um, various different things on, on, on Nitro and stuff like that. This was the first match on the tape, which, as I said, was about six and a half, seven hours long. And I uh, took this home because at that point in my life, um, on Friday nights while my mates were out, I was um, at home watching these uh, stupidly long wrestling tapes. And I took this home and I watched it. And bear in mind that the, the most hardcore stuff I'd ever seen was ECW. Still pretty cartoony. I'm not ashamed to say that as a, as a, as a young man, there was parts of this that I thought must be real. Um, I thought they must be a shoot. Now, that seems... Ri- yeah, I know, right? I know. Um, but like at the same time, that seems ridiculous now because obviously... Um, you know, um, a lot of us, um, 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 the people in, in the group that, um, that that we've got that we talk about wrestling in, um, there's quite a few um, shoot style fans. There's quite a few uh, fans of stuff like rings, of um, battle arts that we mentioned before, <laughs> um, UWF, that kind of stuff. Um, so now I watch this and think, well, you know, it's it's very hard. It's very snug. Um, it's quite brutal, but it's you know, it's clearly not real, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, but at the time. I remember watching this and just thinking, this is a insane um, set of sort of a macho one-upsmanship um, and strike exchanges between these two beasts. Um, and I genuinely thought that there was parts of it which just seemed so much more real than American wrestling. And I think part of it was to do with the fact that I had never seen a show with production values like this before, which sounds strange, um, talking about the fact that this is quite a basic setup and I'd seen all the WrestleManias ever. But there was something about the size of this. The Tokyo Dome just seemed fucking huge the way it was shot. Yeah. And the ramp on the way down looks like it goes on forever. I'd never... It all just seemed huge to me. And I think at the time I bought in to this kind of 
uh, notion, which I think is a little bit overplayed now, that at the time, um, pro wrestling in Japan was the biggest sport. It was, um, you know, this is what we sort of got whispered down to us from like, the guys that would hang around in that shop. Oh, you know, in Japan, they treat it like a real sport. It's on the front page of all the newspapers. It's like, you know, on the back page of all the sports, you know, all that kind of stuff. Is that a Simpsons joke? Pro wrestling from Mexico, and you're down there, it's a real sport. <laughs> yeah. I hope they kill exactly. that iron yuppie. Yeah, right. <laughs> the iron Oh, mate. Uh, but no, but it, it was very much like that um, it, 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 in some ways. And I watched this, and I remember after about sort of like, you know, um, the, the opening exchange where there is this kind of big man um, sort of uh, dangerous sort of like feeling out process where there's some strikes thrown and things, there's some things attempted, but they're still just kind of warming up and kind of like, you know, doing that big host thing. And there was a point in the middle. Um, I've not got the detailed notes that you guys have got because uh, it, that kind of shit gives me anxiety. But like the way in which this all of a sudden just goes from feeling out bombs to very, very, very serious bombs indeed like, <laughs> is absolutely magnificent stuff. It's really <laughs> good. Before we, before we get to that, um, I, I, again, I was saying with the previous match, um, did you guys get the um, sort of the, the preamble on the video? Um, yeah. yeah, I don't so know if it got, did. My, my second note just says, after my confusion over the name of the show, just says six words: "Holy hell, the mullet on Sasaki." Oh, mate, <laughs> it's it's Chris Waddle level. This, by the way, was two thousand. <laughs> this is two thousand, right? Let me tell you how unfashionable a mullet was then, right? I tried to make Sasaki after this on SmackDown Two. Okay, <laughs> there wasn't even a mullet on there that did it justice. That is how fucking out of fashion the mullet was it wasn't even included as a like default choice in haircuts in smackdown no it's, it's amazing kawada i've i've written that in a suit he looks like an anxious supply teacher <laughs> and um my my my, my other points like I, i've got about the spectacle the lights and screens at the dome huge contrast from oh. when all japan used to run it at the time and theirs would be very much uh, less spectacle you know more about Maybe the in also, did, Japan, did, did, did Old Japan run the Dome that he, much? They, they started running it in 1998. Barbara was always dead against right. it, and it took literally yeah, the entire right. Because Misawa Vader in 99 is it April one? That was right. in Tokyo. Yeah, Misawa Vader in 1999. But, didn't, um, also, didn't Misawa apparently have a have a word backstage with Barbara and just say, look, like yeah. we need to run this place? Or... Yeah, he yeah, got the he whole roster really to go with him and say, like, literally everyone is, is behind this. Um, wow, because no one did that to Barbara. Yeah, exactly. Um, which is why he Ever. had to like get some dudes behind him. Um, the other thing is, um, now I I bow to no one in my admiration for uh, Miss Sauer's entrance music, Spartan X, which is it's amazing. As we've yes. as we've discussed before, incredible stuff. However, yes. um, Koala's theme, Holy War Twenty One, like <laughs> it's fantastic. And not only that, I mean, again, YouTube this Toshiaki Koala, Holy War Twenty One, one of the greatest wrestling themes ever. But and Amazing. I don't know why. I think I think Daniel needs to put this in post. Sorry, quotation marks post. Yeah. Oh yes, yes, definitely. Yeah, but like, um, I don't know um, why, but there is some sort of Spanish flamenco guitar version of it that precedes the uh, the main one. I don't know why you picked up on this. What was that about? <laughs> I wasn't sure if it was meant to be the same song or if it was just like... No, it, it was. was it was music. like, you know the version of Hotel California in The Big Lebowski? It was a bit like that. Oh, God. It's right, like okay. when, you, when you, if you ever downloaded a live bootlegs, I used to download like Metallica bootlegs all the time and it always put like the preamble before they came on. So you'd always have like the song that was for the PA 
before oh, they came yeah. on, and that would be that. That would be that. Just some quaint flamenco music, and then suddenly fucking Kawada coming out. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. But um, now, so... I have a confession to make here. Right, I yeah, fear for... this may be the last podcast that we do because I don't think I'm as high in this as as you two are. I enjoy this, and it's oh. very good. But I have reservations. Okay, okay. Well, well, we'll we'll get into that in a minute. But like, I think before we do, um, Daniel, a um, bit about because we were going to talk about the invasion and angles, and actually, I think that, yeah. that was our idea for the next episode. But mm-hmm. can you just tell us a little bit about the uh, the background to this, like invasion angles in in Japan? You know, um, oh man, how big a I deal mean, are um, they? I mean, well. Um, You'll find this out. There's a reason that our nickname for George is Stato, and it's because he's much better at these things than me. But in terms of invasion angles in in Japan, they have been um, probably, I would say, the catalyst for some of the greatest periods in uh, Japanese wrestling. Um, For, without question, some of the greatest matches in Japanese wrestling, I think. Um, Some of which we'll talk about in more detail another time. But there's also, and George will probably expand on this at some point, a really interesting, um, I guess, I guess, kind of like almost cultural studies type approach you could have to look in um, at the way in which invasion angles function in Japan. Um, they go; it goes almost all the way back to the Second World War, um, and um, yeah, I won't go into too much depth, but there's a lot of implications um, in terms of the way that society is structured and things yeah. and a lot of invasion angles um, famously um, Ricky Chosu um, being um, at the sort of flashpoint um, of some invasion angles um, back in the day and the notion that he was going to not lie down to someone who was um, in, Jap- in Japanese society and bear in mind he was a foreigner um, yeah Korean um, y- yeah, y- you know, of he won't lie down to your um, your hierarchy just because it's put in place by society. I'm the better wrestler. I'm more. I'm hungrier for this. I will take your spot. Like, yeah. um, there's a lot of stuff like that, um, and a lot of stuff. I think, especially in this one, because um, uh, George, uh, just correct me. This is technically New Japan invading all Japan in terms of Sasaki shows up first. Is that right? In in New Japan, or is it the way around? I believe. I believe that's. I believe that is the case. I'm not. I'm not sure on the details of this. That would. What... That seems to make more sense because it seems to make more sense that that New Japan. Well, you know, if anybody needs the bodies, it would be Old Japan at this point. Mm, yeah, sure. And yeah, yeah, that probably makes have, sense. You can have the idea that New Japan would want to, I guess, pick the bones uh, a little bit. Um, this is a um, Sasaki. You notice has that little sort of crown-shaped belt, meaning he's the IWGP Heavyweight Champion, but. Um, for this match, the title is not on the line. Yeah. And yeah. that is very and important. I think it is, yeah. I think it's really important because this comes back to what I was going to say about another feature of this. As an, uh, I think the feature of this invasion angle is, is largely kind of a bit more of a basic one than many previous um, uh, angles of this nature in Japan. This it always struck me as kind of a more machismo-based, um, not directly analogous to the sort of um, Vince gloating on the demise of um, WCW because no one could be quite that craven and sort of bizarre in the way that they would do that. But um, in a much more subtle way, there is an element, I think, here of, you know, trying to say, well, look at you guys, you're a bit fucked now from, from, from New Japan's side. And I think the way that this match plays out... Um, it very much plays out like a lot of actual um, sort of modern matches do in New Japan. You think of stuff like um, 
the Ishii matches with um, you know um, Shibata, was it Shibata? Shibata. Yeah, um, and, like um, and I think Goto and Shibata as well had a few matches like this. Now I'll be honest, I'm not a huge fan of some of those matches, no, precisely because I think that there are a lot of the time there isn't enough uh, backstory and meaning behind those matches mm-hmm. um, for me to care. No, and... I personally am. I think you'll know I am a huge fan of those those matches. <laughs> Uh, but you know yeah i know i understand the criticisms that come for it because i mean i've I've heard so many people talk about it you know but yeah no i can totally see where you're coming from with those but me personally i i absolutely adore those sort of matches i think it's more in comparison to this match if that makes sense mm-hmm. like um, I'm, it's not necessarily a critique of those matches on their own although, although i do have uh, you know a lot of critique about those matches on their own it's more just in comparison to this where there seems to be an awful lot at stake that's quite simply put there on the table in terms of reputation, in terms of um, this very basic and um, macho Japanese thing, which is a huge thing in Japanese wrestling, which we, uh, in, very, in many ways, the fighting spirit that George and the Bushido George talked about before are very linked to that Japanese notion of masculinity and yeah. um, not being one-upped and being not seen to lose face. Um, and that's in this match all over. Yeah. Um, well, this uh, is the, the, the thing that, the overriding thing that I got from this, right, is it made, it made me feel of, you you had this on Saturday. It's a derby. It's a derby <laughs> match between New Japan and All yes, Japan. There's a total derby day atmosphere. It's like when you go, when you go watch Fissile and they're playing Celtic. You mm-hmm. know, it's not just because you're there to watch a game of football. You're there There's because something more about to it. represent yeah. your, your way of life and who you yeah. are and... Yeah, yeah, there's absolutely that in there. It, it's a total Derby Day atmosphere. Uh, same as like City United, um, you know, Thistle Celtic, Rangers Celtic. That, that, that's, that's, yeah, Thistle Celtic, that's the big rivalry in Glasgow. But the big rivalry in Glasgow, well, uh, well, it's the one... It's, Depends who you ask, it better. Yeah, it's true, yeah. But, um, but I mean, it's like, you know, for, for, for me, when I go to see like, Thistle play Celtic, I know they're probably not going to win. They've not won in like 22 years, and I can't. That's see not why you're there, though, is it? No, it's not why you're there because you get to put, you get to slag off Celtic fans. That's yeah. it. And for, you, na- for 90 minutes. For 90 yeah. minutes, and you get to you know, and it's just that kind of the atmosphere cannot be replicated anywhere else apart from in this match because and then there's a moment like when when Sasaki comes out, he has like four cornermen, and it's all, all the New Japan guys. When um, Kawada comes out, he only has one corner man. Now later at the end, there's a couple more there. But when he comes out, I only noticed one, and I liked mm. the fact that it was just him and this one corner man. Mm. And again, that was like, the entire All Japan roster at the time. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. and like it was just those two, and then you had all the New Japan guys on the other side, and you know they they were kind of it was them, it was us against the world really, for yeah. Kawada, and it it was unbelievable. Just, I mean, do we know like to, obviously. Did this spike, like, you know, was there any, like, higher business from this purely because, you know, people who would go see Old Japan went to this show or people who go to New Japan who wouldn't go to Old yeah, Japan? Yeah, I've always, I've always wondered that, actually. I mean, I don't know much about um, the, the, the the ratings for uh, Japan TV at all. No, I'm not um, sure do, about the ratings, but I, I seem does, to... Does, does Muki Gana have that on his site? Uh, he, he might. Yeah. Like, you can always check. I, I seem to think yeah, that have a look, maybe. this did drive up business for these groups. I mean... Kawada had this huge reputation from, uh, as we were saying, being one of the four pillars in the 90s. He was a really strong outsider to be coming into New Japan and being the the big mm. invader from the, uh, oh, yeah. the outside promotion. And um, All Japan, again, they needed, uh, they really needed the rub 
because they were in a hell of a state with most of their roster having gone and formed a new mm. promotion with Blackjack and Hookers at the time. And between 2000 and 2002, both of these companies actually did a lot of business together and really, to a, to a large extent, kept all Japan afloat in that time. Mm. One, yeah. one thing I noticed here, did you say this is an old Japan show? No, no, this is uh, this is New Japan at the Tokyo Dome. Right. Yeah, it's New Japan. Because yeah. the one thing that I noticed, I don't know if anybody else noticed this, but when Sasaki went and done some close fists, he had Kawada with some close fists, and he was pulled back by the referee and restrained and told not to. Then Kawada mm. leathers him with closed fists, and the referee doesn't stop it straight away. He gives Kawada really? more leniency. Yeah, and I thought, it's exactly like a derby where, you know, a decision doesn't go your way, and then the next time, you know, you'll get a foul... Yeah. And again, it doesn't go your way. It's yeah, Howard Webb. The referee is against you. I got you know that always... so much. It definitely. Like, like, you know... Japan referee. Oh, no, yeah. Japan referee. <laughs> Fucking Homer over here. Yeah. Like, um, but like, what always like gets me about these kind of little uh, questions and things that arise from when you watch the, this footage, it seems strange to me in some ways that given the internet and all this kind of stuff and the sort of spread of people and being able to communicate about wrestling and talk about wrestling, even weird shit that no one really else really watches apart from three people, they can still talk about it. Yeah. Why, like, has there not been... How has there not been some way in which American or British wrestling fans have got in touch with, like, wrestling fans in Japan, maybe trying to find one that's maybe bilingual or, that, or yeah. whatever, to actually, you know, explain some of this stuff further because we're, we basically go entirely on what Meltzer says. Yeah. Um, and and now more so the sort of DIY historians that we get on places like PWO and yeah, stuff like, like that. Yeah, like Tony Shack and things like that. Exactly, like um, you know, people like that. It's I don't know. It's like you know, we, we we've got a guy from Puerto Rico now, El Bariqua, who's been doing good 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 stuff on that. Like it seems crazy to me that we haven't tried to I do th- that. I think maybe one of have. the real reasons is just the uh, the lack. Of, I mean, this is a huge digression, but like one of the real reasons is just linguistic. I mean, there really aren't a huge number of. English isn't very widely spoken in Japan, and certainly not, uh, you know, fluently. I mean, I always said we should have bloody conquered it. <laughs> but um, you know, when I and I'm going to plug my novel again. When when I've been researching Riki Dozan, I don't speak Japanese. I can't, I can't read kanji or hiragana or katakana or anything like mm. that. Um, English language resources on Riki Dozan's life are so hard to come by. I've based a hell of a lot of the uh, biographical information off this dodgy North Korean book that came out in 1989 and which I managed to source a copy <laughs> oh, of on yeah, eBay. Tell me about that. Hopefully I'm not on some sort of list now. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. You're getting all your, um, all your information straight from the highest power. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Eter- eternal president. Um, yeah, yeah. One of the things I loved about this, the crowd is so heated that Kawada gets uh, a pop for doing leg stretches. Yeah, before yeah. the match even like, starts, amazing. He's literally ju- he's literally just warming up, and people are like, "Those legs are going to kick the shit out of Sasaki in a bit." It's so like, good. Um, One of the things yeah. I I loved about this, if we get just get into the uh, the meat and potatoes of the match, is um, I love meaningful headlocks. Oh, I am a bastard for a meaningful headlock, George. And this match, I am a bastard for a meaningful got headlock. Got them in spades at the start. Sasaki attempts this enormous palm strike. And yeah, yeah. Kawada grabs a headlock as if to say, I should probably ground this big lad for a while. Because again, you know, Kawada, big solid bastard. Um, Sasaki, bigger, solider, bastard. <laughs> yeah. Well, one thing I noticed with this as well, that this reminded me a lot of a boxing match. And that anytime yeah. anybody was sent to their feet, the crowds the crowd went, you know, rose. You know that way when you're watching a boxing match and you can clearly see there's a moment where, you know, the tide turns and you know there's going to be a knockdown or somebody yeah. goes down, the crowd goes mental. It doesn't really happen in wrestling that much, mainly because people, you know, 
they go to the mat every 30 seconds. You can't really do that. In this match, it felt every time someone went down because they were showing face, you know, they were losing face, showing a bit of arse. They, yeah. <laughs> they, they know it was. They were showing a sign of weakness, and the crowd bit on it every single time. I mean, when they done like the chops at the start, um, yeah, and like yeah, it's just it. Well, yeah, they done an early shot. Like I think Kawada and Kawada just went down like a ton of bricks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah, some amazing yeah. like there's some amazing staggery selling of one yeah. of those. Um, oh, there is staggering. Sasaki there did. is staggering selling in uh, this in this I match that Terry Funk himself would be proud of. And there's this so. great bit where the ref tries to. You can you can really not just the uh, the selling is amazing, but also uh, again the tension. There's a bit where the oh, you talk about this sort of bloody biased Derby Day refereeing. The the ref tries to pull Sasaki off of Kawada, and Sasaki holds the ref at bay, but he's still staring at Kawada right in the eyes I think that's amazing to uh, build yeah. up it's not necessarily sort of one of the personal soap opera grudges but really the sort of their totems of their respective promotions Th this is really it for them and mm. you can really uh, tell that from the style of the match it's it's very shooty it's 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 not like as you were saying Daniel it's not like rings or UWF it's not full shoot style no 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 but no. it's shootier than you would see certainly see from Kawada in the match we mentioned earlier and I think this actually yeah. speaks to Kawada's credit he was always the most willing of the four pillars to go outside of his usual wheelhouse in terms oh, of the way God. it worked like that match he had with uh, Gary Albright you, yes, um, in all Japan like, oh, Gary yeah, Albright yeah. was a oh, was it all Japan that yeah, yeah Gary Albright after he um, so he was a you know big fat man who was amateur wrestler amazing in uh, UWFI doing shoot style and throwing little yeah, Japanese yeah. guys around in all Re Japan really good fun matches not necessarily that great at working the style and Misawa and Kabashi and Tawe weren't particularly interested in going a bit shootier and trying to meet him halfway but Kawada really was and the matches he had with Gary Albright were fantastic because of it it's like he, he definitely yeah. a really versatile wrestler I love those matches yeah, yeah. everyone seek those out on YouTube yeah, yeah. or G Gary Albright is a I'm a big fan of Gary Albright who, who is it, Daniel? You've got a friend who, every time he mentions Gary Albright, he oh, refers yeah. to him as is... a genuine menace. No, this is this is the, myster... <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is, this is, this is the mysterious Gary again. Yeah. Um, because um, I basically sent him a text and I said, um, look, you've got to watch this match. It's Kawada versus uh, Gary Albright. And he went, all oh, right, yeah, yeah. Um, and then he texts me back and he goes, so what's the crack with these two then? And I said, oh, well, Kawada's one of the best wrestlers that ever lived. And I said, Gary Albright is just sort of this bloke that came over and did some shoot stuff. Because this was a while ago when I said it to him, you know, I had had like my Albright, um, you know, um, enlightenment by that point. I kind of still was a bit down on him. And uh, Gary just texted me back about 40 minutes later going, fucking hell, I've just watched it twice and I didn't see your text. I'm glad I didn't because all the way through that, I thought that Albright looked like a genuine menace. <laughs> uh, That's fucking Gary solidarity, genuine solidarity there. Menace. Like, I love my mate Gary because he's basically the only person I know that talks exactly like a sort of left back for Everton in the, um, in the 1960s. <laughs> with, you know, that had been brought down from Scotland to live in digs. Like, um, the, he still says centre half. Like, this is, I mean, yeah. Speaking of you know, these hard bitten, hard bitten <laughs> Liverpoolian bastards from the 60s, this is one of the sweatiest matches I've ever seen oh, in my oh entire God, life. Yeah. Mate, 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 mate. Right, right, right. I, I, I had to mention this as well. That was another thing when I first watched this. Yeah. The sheer amount of sweat that got, and the lighting and the way that it all just said, there's something about Kawada in the, I don't know if he's like oiled himself up or whatever, but like the guy is just like dripping in perspiration throughout this. Well, there's like a, much, the chop battle. Much, there's a, yeah. Yeah, there's a chop battle where every And you just see these chop. spittles. Oh. It's, 
There's one bit no, no, to, towards the end where um, Kawada takes a bump and he seems to explode in a cloud of perspiration. Yeah. It's it's like it's like Salim Sinai at the end of Midnight's Children. He just falls to the ground and poof, that's it, he's dust. It, it's exactly the same as that. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get a Rusty reference. I did not spend three years doing a thesis on Salman Rusty not to shoehorn no. him awkwardly into conversations about wrestling. I once I once shoehorned him into a suitcase to protect him from a fat one. <laughs> uh, that's that's not actually true. Uh, but, I, but I'd do that for you, Salman. I would. Uh, I wouldn't actually. I think you're a bit overrated, to be honest. But, uh, so do I now. <laughs> um, the, the 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 fact is that about this match that they get so many chops into it. Um, there's again meaningful headlocks, meaningful wrist locks as well. Uh, how yeah. to reverse and maintain the wrist lock? Do you do sort of Fiddly Zack Saber Junior style reversal. Now, nah, mate, just chop your way out. Yeah, yeah. That's all you need is just a good solid chop, there's, and that should uh, get you through. There's a bit of a double clothesline where I don't think they fall. They just both just bash into each other and yeah. they just bounce back. Just yeah, yeah. Can you can you imagine how annoyed I'd be if there was a shitty indie promotion and they just kept repeating the same spot over and over again? How much I would get on my fucking high horse and go, oh fuck this shit, this is awful. It works here because it's just basic fucking shit. It's I can basic. see as many clotheslines yeah. as I ever. You know, it's easy. Like, one, you know, one one person I would mention that I really enjoyed in this match, Liger is on the outside oh. directing traffic. Telling yeah, he's you know he's a uh, he's in the dugout. He's you know giving tactics to. He's got the sheepskin yeah. coat on. He does. He's he, he's the Brian Clough of this situation. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's sitting and he's giving all these. It's it's unbelievable. And I love the fact that you know that happened because clearly this was this this is another reason why it was New Japan versus All Japan because Liger was sitting there. He's a he's a guy who graduated from the dojo and just never left. And he's yeah. there. New Japan is his life. This means more to him than anything in the world. And he's sitting there, um, you know, he's directing traffic, he's giving support, he's making sure he doesn't, he cannot face a loss at this point. Um, even though it's not him in the match, it means as much to him as if it was him in the match. Yeah, it's yeah. like Anita in the last match, isn't it? Like, yeah. Like, yeah. great at selling emotion without you ever being able to see his facial features. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's the master of that. Um, I mean... There's guys in Mexico you can make a case for, like, yeah, definitely sure. But, um, you know, in terms of, like, well-known wrestlers with masks yeah. <laughs> that, like, American people know who only watch wrestling a bit. So, like, Liger is the greatest at that. Yeah. Um, the Now, let's um, yeah, say we've move on from wrist locks to... Um, Daniel, I'd, I'd be interested to know your thoughts. What did you think the first time you saw a backdrop driver? Oh, Jesus. Right. Um, <laughs> so this was this weird thing. This was one of those moves, right, that I'd seen on wrestling games. Yeah. When I did the create a wrestler mode, um, I'd probably seen it on some older footage, maybe, but never done where it's bumped this brutally, where it's like the sort of the organ, um, you know, like um, compression thing going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not not pleasant. Um, this was probably though before I'd really got. Well, it was because it was the first one I ever saw. It was before I got deep into watching. You know. Uh, tapes of Masawa and Kabashi and Kawada that would you know be like three or four hours long with just loads of matches on where you'd see so many head drops that you'd just get really sick um, yeah. so I think I had a kind of probably a little bit of a teenage like oh wow you know like these guys are really hardcore they, oh, they're gonna die um, which isn't great really mm-hmm. uh, when you think about what happened to Masawa well this is this is um, literally what we were, we were talking about uh, bef- yeah. before um, 
yeah, the thing is about this backdoor driver as well, it's not a finish and doesn't even look like it will be. However, I think it is meaningful in the sense of the match because it absolutely shags Sasaki's neck, oh, sets him yeah. up for this uh, for this kick uh, by Kawada, and it really does change the momentum of the match. And I think it's one of those where you can take the big bumps and you can do all this like dangerous shit, but at the end of the day, you gotta you got to make it mean something. And they did they did a really good uh, job of that. There was also another bit I liked where Sasaki gets a bit... You know that real heel stuff where you, there's a two count and then you let them up to inflict uh, yeah. more punishment? So Sasaki does this one-handed I'm a, power I'm a bomb. massive fan of that, by the yeah. way. That's one of my favourite go-to heel oh, spots. Like, Nia, Nia, Nia Jax did that the other week on Raw, right? Yeah, yeah, she did. And you know what? I marked for it so bad. But like yeah, yeah. yeah, so Sasaki does this amazing looking one-handed powerbomb, and Kawada's a big lad to do that to as well. Uh, and then he lets him up as if to say, I'm not going to beat him with that. And then proceeds to do the hardest damn lariat I've ever seen in my life. Hey, I have many a time, many a five-a-side game I've played where me and my friend has a pre-match fad, you can't have a pre-match for supper. That's, 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 that's alright, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, well, we used to get um, uh, either oranges at half-time or then we got past the under-15s and got to the over-16s and we'd all try and have a cigarette but we had to try and avoid our parents to do it. So we'd come up with some like big um, long excuse to sort of have to go back to the cars or something to like, change the studs on our boots or whatever, it's not the right, it's not the right weather for mouldies. <laughs> There's many a time when I was at school playing the house cricket competition. This probably says a lot about my school that we even have one. <laughs> How fucking sovereign is he? I'm from Lincolnshire, you can't. But like the ha the house cricket That's competition, a I got put in at number three so many times because the the middle order was having a fag behind the CCF nuts. This is literally means nothing to me at all. <laughs> the CCF is basically like noise. the yeah. fascist. Oh god, this is this is like Stan Hansen levels of Lariat right here. Like this is end time Lariat. Oh god, it's yeah. Absolutely brutal. Um, but no, like so coming back to what you were saying a bit earlier, David. I think we we, we hinted at this, but we never really went there, and we'll, we'll go there now. You mentioned that you're not like massively as high on this match as you think we are, but actually, I'm not actually. That high on this match. Well, I think the problem I um, the problem I have with this match is that I watched this after Kabashi, Misawa, Kawada, and Tawi. So I watched that yeah, match so and then this straight away. That, that's like watching Bake Off after the exa wire. What's the exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I yeah, so after that I was kinda I was kinda spent a bit. And I don't get me wrong, I really enjoyed this match. I really enjoyed the atmosphere, but to me, the atmosphere is what makes this match. Like, if it, if this was just like you know destruction in Kobe, you know, twenty thirteen, I don't think this match would hang up hang up as much as it does now. You know, as it does for where it was. It's that atmosphere. It's Liger directing the traffic. It's the referee being biased. It's it's mm. the the whole. As I said it's a derby day atmosphere. That is the whole thing that makes this match. And without that, I don't feel this is you know genuinely a fantastic match. But with no, this. No, it and that's, what, yeah. that's kind of the point I've been getting at with these matches is that, you know, even if I don't think the match is the best in the world, you know, as long as, you know, there's other extenuating circumstances that can make it 
a fantastic match outside of you know mm. what actually happens in the match. Definitely. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I think um, for me, because it was like the gateway drug, um, yeah. it's a difficult one to watch again because it's never going to live up to that experience that I had yeah, when I first watched what it. What I was saying earlier about you know, it's the 100 years of solitude, yeah, is it going to be as good the second time around? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I hadn't... I, I think I'd watched this match a couple of times since the first time I saw it, but not for a good few years. And I think what spoiled it a little bit for me as well is that, like, um, you guys will both know because I've been posting about this on the group a while ago. I did a sort of um, a dive back into rewatching Hashimoto yeah. stuff. Oh, big hash. Um, yeah, yeah. Who's just. Oh, we'll, we'll do a whole episode on Hashimoto oh, one day, please. seriously. Yeah. Um, but I watched the uh, Hash versus um, Kawada match. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was obviously, you know. <laughs> very similar to this in some ways um, in terms of two guys I actually think that that's the bigger dream match really um, and having watched that recently this probably has a, even more heat actually in some ways but it's lacking a little bit I think in there's, there's portions of this match where I, I've begun to drift out a little bit yeah, actually, I'll be honest, yeah I, I think so anyway. like, I feel that if I we think if, yeah, if I had yeah. watched this on its own like if I would just taken you know an hour and sat and watched this on its own. I feel I'd have a higher opinion of it than than it did because I watched it after the other match, and they just couldn't compete mm. with the other match. But that's not to say it isn't a great match. I really yeah. enjoyed this. Yeah. It's fantastic, and I would urge people to watch it. But definitely, there. yeah, it's, it does. Like it's my le- my least favorite of the three, certainly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, I think would, that's I would fair. Say so. yeah. um, I think the finish was a little a little abrupt. Um, much as I. I think Kawada is fantastic. I never really buy his uh, Garangiri and kick to the front of the head. I never yeah, really buy the, it too much finish. as a finisher after all the other heinous shit that yeah. he's done. I've seen really good matches where there's a great one, uh, him versus Katsuri Shibata, actually, from 2004, where the finish is him kicks the, he kicks the fuck out of Shibata and then drops a oh, knee on you, him. You, that, that's a great finish, but day. sometimes... Yeah. And I am a bit of a mark for you know, straw that breaks the camel's back finishes. You know, It's just that one last power mm-hmm. bomb. It's that one last kick. Mm. I don't think they really earned it here with what yeah. they were doing. I think the match was too... I think it was too back and forth to actually justify Kawada winning it with such a relatively low-impact move. Yeah. I don't know what, what uh, you guys think about that. Yeah, no, I, I can understand that. I can, I can see where you're coming from with that, definitely. Hmm. Yeah, um, but you know, I think again, with a lot of uh, wrestling's like anything else. Um, there's an awful lot of matches which will not ever be in my you know top 100 matches ever. Yeah. Um, if I ever make that list, which I probably will, because I'm a fucking nerd. Um, you know, but they can have a level of importance that makes them a favorite. You know, like my favorite wrestling is very fucking different to like what my uh, what I think the best yeah. wrestling. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Like my favorite. My f- um, there's a huge crossover, but in some senses, I have to make a decision about. Yeah, I mean, for which, example, you know? my favorite match of all time. It's incredibly cliched, but it is Hell in a Cell 1998. You know, Undertaker Mankind. That's mm-hmm. my favorite. That to it, me is it's just the most incredible match and will never be beaten. It's not the best match. There's about four moves in the whole thing. It's not, you know, it's not mm. the best, but it's my favorite and it's the one that resonates yeah. with me. Yeah, both. it's it's often it's often a different thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, definitely. Oh, it's, it's usually different, and I think that's one of the great things about um, sort of when you realise that. And I'm not I'm not going to go full on and do this analogy because it's quite controversial, and people get really hurt up about it. I'm not going to say that you know wrestling is art or anything, but 
there is a point when you begin to enjoy it in a similar way as you enjoy and you take in like other stuff like music or books or films or whatever. Yeah. And I think that um yeah, once you do that and you begin to realize it's a bit like music like, you know, I used to be incredibly fucking snobbish about music um and be a total sort of real twat about it. Um, and then I realized that, like, you know, yeah, I can just listen to a really weird experimental record then go and listen to ABBA, and that's fine, and there's no guilty pleasures. Exactly. Just pleasures. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the good a good point to get to in, in wrestling fandom. Yeah, um, you, should never, so, you should never be ashamed yeah. of like liking something or liking a match. Yeah, God, no. fair enough, if other people don't like what? it. It's, you should be able to, you know, if you can confidently stand up and say, this is why I like this match, this is incredible, you know, your opinion is valid as anybody else, regardless of if it's, you know. Yeah, exactly. Life's too short. In my top 10 matches of all time is that uh, the Miracle on 34th Street fight yes. between uh, John Cena and Alberto Del Rio. Fuck, it's so good. Yes. We, 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 we are going to have to do a special one-off episode it's about this, I think, at some point. I know you two guys oh, have got loads to Christmas theme match. I love it. But, um, I mean, the sequel was so, dreadful, though. Um, the sequel was awful. It was Ambrose and Wyatt. Oh, and fucking immense, man. Never, never go back. Never go, never back. go back. But um, so the uh, the post match, uh, we've got all Japan seconds hold Kawada aloft, and then decide they should lay him down because at some point just before the finish, Sasaki lariated him in the foot, <laughs> <laughs> um, which I absolutely loved, and I'm I'm a I'm a big mark for that. That strikes done to different parts of the uh, oh. the body. Like if someone's known yeah. for his kicks, yeah, lariat him in the in the leg, or if someone's yeah. known for lariats kick him in the arm as long as it's basic say, shit it's such basic shit but it's stuff that so many people Honma don't do does that days. with yeah. lariats like, will headbutt the arm you saw like somebody goes for a lariat he'll do a kokeshi into the lariat to, to, to stop it yeah, yeah. like yeah. I, I love stuff like that um, I think one thing that's worth pointing out in terms of the post-match uh, quickly before we, before we wrap things up is um, Sasaki leaves the title in the ring out, out of shame oh, yeah. so it's a non-title match but Sasaki loses the title because he feels that he is lost to the the invader that he can no longer justify retaining the title and so he vacates it willingly yeah and that again this is something you would never get in wwe i think it's something to do with the culture this idea honor of, and things like that um yeah honor and shame yeah. you know having it sounds a bit it sounds a bit uh, I, I don't well, want to stereotype but at the same time well, C- cena cena did the um the 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 sweaty mm. armband spot with AJ. Yeah, yeah he recently, did. But which I is mean, a, sounds like I'm being glib, but like there's. It, I mean, it's, you know. Yeah, sure, but like that was him. He had. Um, he wasn't giving up a title. He was saying, you know, I'm. Gonna no, no, but that's, you know, that's yeah, become, it is the same thing. Yeah. But you seem to get it more in Japan. Like there was. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Bob Bob Sapp, who I really hope we get to oh. at some point. Um, oh, we'll get to Bob. He vacated Sapp. the um, the IWGP Heavyweight Title for losing a K1 kickboxing match which is like it's not even the same promotion it's not even the same goddamn sport and he was like you know what I lost to uh, Kazuyuki Fujita in well who knows whether it was a shoot or a work to be honest but he's oh, like God you know what I lost as a different sport to this guy who was also in New Japan I'm not worthy to wear the mantle of IWGP heavyweight champion Bob Sapp lives by a more stringent honor code than you are this is I this is this is going to probably sound incredibly stereotypical, but it very much harkens back to the whole the, the idea of like samurais, where you know they would yeah. they, they deal with the swords. Is it harikari? Is that is that it? Yeah, harikari yeah. or, or seppuku, depending Sep- on yeah. which which way you do it. There's there's, there's different yeah. ways. Yeah, so it very much it. harkens but, back to that, and that you know you the ultimate you know the ultimate. Um, shame you know you you need to pay the ultimate price you know for the, the shame it, you know 
there is a happy ending though because um, it was decided that the um, vacated title would be decided in a tournament at I believe the next Tokyo Dome show the final of the tournament was a rematch between Sasaki and Kawada and Sasaki actually won and reclaimed the title Spoilers. so we had this great story arc I don't think I've seen that much you know I haven't seen it either we've got this great story arc in terms of Sasaki decides he was not strong enough to beat Kawada he vacates the title he goes away rebuilds himself and then he actually he uh, he avenges uh, avenges his loss and I think that's uh, really good. The fact the title was vacated actually adds to... Because you know how on WWE TV, um, you know, Cesaro will beat Sheamus one week and Sheamus will beat Cesaro the next. And it really doesn't have any wider context. People will feud for ages and have loads of matches. Whereas here, you know, there's not a rematch just to have a mm. rematch. No, they're, te- no, they're, telling, no. they're telling a story with it. Again, the story is told purely by in-ring action and booking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Precisely, and I think which yeah, yeah. I mean, which I think probably, I think the one thing that we could probably get out uh, if there's anything in common, uh, which there are quite a lot of things I think um, between the three matches that we've all chosen that we all watched first. I think it, it is that notion that even when you've got a match which is supposedly this crazy fucking pyro, you know, special effects match, it's it's still actually all about what's going on in the ring. Yeah. And I think that at a time when a lot of us were introduced to this stuff through tape trading, when Attitude Era and ECW was all we knew, we kind of, I think, enjoyed having that in-ring. You know, it was like when ECW would have matches where it was like Little Guido versus Tajiri. And you'd yeah. think, oh shit, actually, there's some pretty good wrestlers in this promotion. Yeah. I'd like to see some more of that. And that was a gate. this was a gateway, I think, seeing matches like this in Japan. Um, in a weird way, even though it was actually copying it um, to US Indies uh, a few years mm. after after that. Yeah, that that's that's a really good point. I mean, so I mean, I think I think what we've done here is really um, what we try to do is give a flavour of you know here's some matches that maybe they're not necessarily the best things to watch. First of all, we all made our own ways into Japanese wrestling, but at the same time, I think what's um, what's more important than the first match is the second match. Mm. And the things after, you know, like as you said, a gateway drug is a perfect example. I was saying, you know, these things ultimately shape your tastes and lead you to exploring other avenues. Say you see, um, I saw that All Japan match and thought, well, bloody hell, I'd like to watch some uh, singles matches with these guys mm-hmm. or see, um, you know, some of the big Americans like Stan Hansen mm-hmm. in that promotion. And you know, I think, literally a big American. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The big American, the, the archetypal yeah. one. And I think that's. I think that's what's really important, the fact that if you're looking to get into Japanese wrestling, um, if, if you like the first thing you watch, you know, great, go and seek out some more matches. And if you don't like it, you know what? As we've shown today, and we're going to show in later episodes, particularly with some of the things that, uh, that David yes. did, um, not, wishing, not wishing to make it sound kinky, there is a hell of a lot of variety <laughs> well, it out is a there. Bit it's not just dudes no-selling and crazy death matches. There is some stuff for that, but there is a huge variety in terms of the different styles of wrestling, um, certain match stipulations, and you know we've got matches that take place in campfires. Uh, sorry, campfires. No shit, that would be really hardcore campsites and amusement parks, uh, shopping centres. A table wrestled a ladder once. Oh, we're we're, to- we're totally reviewing that. That, actually, that, that actually happened. Yeah, that was a thing, yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's that's really good, but I think what. We'll but I think it's yeah. important to emphasise that alongside all of this fun, um, there will still be the brutal functionalism 
um, of um, other things like shoot wrestling um, and just really sort of boring things for terrible people. I like mean, me I, and, um, yeah, I mean, that's it. But um, we, we, we will basically be doing everything that we like in Japanese wrestling. Yeah, and, and um, yeah, maybe some of the stuff that we don't like so much, but which we feel is important. So actually with that in mind, and this kind of links back to um, Daniel's match, um, we had this idea for, we might split this into two episodes because there's uh, it actually covers a few matches and a few shows. So the idea we had, um, because this is one of the most famous Japanese pro wrestling angles and feuds, and it's not just significant because uh, it's significant in Japanese history, but also because one of the most famous um, American wrestling storylines um, was actually inspired by this feud. So I'm talking the American storyline I'm talking about is uh, WCW versus the NWO yeah. from the 90s, and yeah. the interpromotional feud in Japan that I thought we could look at is New Japan Pro Wrestling versus Union of Wrestling Forces International (UWFI) from 1995 to 1996 probably i would argue the interpromotional invasion angle by which all others are judged yeah yep so i think there's a few matches to look at we'll we'll see uh kensuke sasaki again boy oh boy will we see kensuke sasaki again <laughs> there'll be plenty of kensuke sasaki big, up, big yeah. ken and um <laughs> so i mean this sounds kind of functionalist but um have we got any closing remarks before we before we wrap up um well i mean i just had one thing i wanted to mention about the the Kawada the Kawada Sasaki match. I mean, the thing that I liked about this, and I feel that we should do a special on this. I think we mentioned it before. There was a lot of ego in this match, a lot, a lot of ego, and there's a lot of posturing, and you know, nobody wants to be the one that falls down. I really, I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed that. I thought it really added to the ma- match, and you know, I think we talked about this a bit machismo and things like that, and and wrestling. Certainly, we'll do something about that in the future, but. Yeah, I, re- I really enjoyed this. I feel that this is a perfect example of a, a match that might not necessarily... If you if you read it, you know, if you read like a... What do you call it? Yeah, yeah you read, if you like read a, moves, a spoilers yeah. or summary of it, it wouldn't look as good as actually watching it just because of everything else that you can't write about and, you know, just the entire atmosphere behind it. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I think we've done quite a broad selection of the three... The three, um, the three matches we had, there's, there's a lot there, and they're all different things, and yeah, I feel that it's, you know, it kind of sets the ground for the, the podcast quite well because we're going to be doing lots of different yeah. stuff. Yeah, um, we've gone into, I mean, we've gone into a fair amount of detail. This is certainly a longer episode than we planned, but you know what, this <laughs> is doing quite foundational stuff in terms of an introduction to Japanese mm. professional wrestling. We are not going to go into every match in quite the uh, the detail. We will, we will go into some matches in as much detail, but, you know, five five minute, uh, there's a five-minute Kensuke Sasaki squash in the uh, New Japan <laughs> UWFI feud, which I don't believe merits going into a huge amount of discussion. Hey, hey I've got a lot of things to say about the five-minute Akiyama Yoji hey, squash as well. Just, so. just you, just <laughs> you wait. That's going to be um, episode 260 or something. Just you wait until yeah, we yeah, get yeah. to the Yano and the G1 special that I have planned. <laughs> Oh, oh, fuck off. Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs>
業の全日本プロレスファンがこの東京ドームに殴り込みをかけてまいりました6万4000超満員札止めそして川田利明の表情一点の曇りもないこの東京ドームに俺がいなくて誰がいるルージャッジ審判を下すのは誰でもない俺が審判を下してやるそんな気持ちで全日本プロレスの代表として金看板を背中に思いっきり取ってプロレスの王道王道プロレス四天王の証しをしっかりと見せることに成功することができるんでありましょうか河原一歩目が力強くこのセリリアンブルーのマット状を叩いて入ってまいりました